Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Jesus Plus Therapy Six. This episode is brought to you by D on Her Jewelry and Waste Bees. Make sure to like, share, and follow her on all social media platforms. And hey, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, rate, and follow Jesus Plus Therapy Six on all social media and podcast platforms. We need those numbers. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Jesus Plus Therapy Six. And y'all, listen. My heart is so great. My sister is back. She is back. I'm so excited. She's back from her sabbatical. Um, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful because I'm tired of holding it down. But besides my sister being back, y'all, we got our first male guest on Jesus Plus Therapy Six. And I'm so excited. I have known him for over 10 years. We met while we were working together. And he is so awesome. And he's been through a lot um, the last couple of years. But he has definitely been the epitome of um integrity for me when it comes to me he's definitely the epitome of integrity um he's definitely encouraging i learned something new about him um that he's the only child like i'm the only child and i didn't know that so <laughs> that was i was like yes i love you even more d like for real so y'all help us welcome the darius McCord to the Jesus Plus Therapy Sis family. We're so excited to have you. I call him D and I've called him D for forever. So I'm not just calling him by his government name. It's just not me. So D, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So D, say hey to the people. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Darius. Nice to meet everybody out there in podcast land. <laughs> nice to be here. This is only like my first podcast appearance. So, hey, hopefully y'all like what y'all hear tonight. Yeah, so we were sitting here talking. Y'all know I disclaimer. First of all, we record at night. This is disclaimer number one. So whatever come out, come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's been a while since it's been here so it might be a little bit more crazy and we got our first male guest we making all firsts today yes, so listen D D sent me an hour talking and he shared he was transparent and I was just sharing how um, D has definitely been the epitome of integrity when it comes to a man um, his characteristics is that of integrity he's never came to me sideways. I've never seen him become sideways. If he has, he's done it behind closed doors. Um, and so I'm so excited because he was, he said, I am very transparent. I don't carry anything heavy with me. And so I was like, man, D, how do you do that as a black man in America? And he's an international traveler, y'all. He travels everywhere. I don't think this man ever stays in the United States, for real, for real, longer <laughs> than a month. He probably, he probably ain't, y'all, he probably not in the U.S. right now, but that's okay. We gonna make sure we just talk to him. I, that's why we're so grateful to have him, because 
he's an international traveler. That's all he do, y'all, is travel. He was in Belize, in Greece, and he was all over the world. So I'm so grateful that he took time out to come with us. But when he said that he does not um, care being heavy that he's very transparent y'all that spoke to us because to hear a black man in america that is under the age of 50 um say that is mind-blowing so d how do you remain in this place of transparency like how did you get there were you always there um no, not all the ways. It was something that I definitely had to work towards. Um, I've been kind of working on the, my my self help. I guess what I would call it, probably since maybe as early as high school. Um, you know, being being a black man in America, we already have you know, certain stereotypes and we have certain, um, what do you call it, um, issues that we're going to face regardless mm-hmm. if you are the most upstanding of person or you are, or you a good of person. Mm-hmm. Somebody just walking, facing you in daily day life, they have no idea what you're about. Mm-hmm. They only know what they see when they first see you. Mm. And they, might be harboring, they may be harboring some type of resentment towards you just because, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Right. You got to deal with it. How do but you the thing about it is you kind of have to know how to police your own feelings, mm. your own emotions, mm-hmm. because you never want to let a split decision ruin the rest of your life. Hold on. I got to get my pen. This is going to get good. Keep talking. You know, because this, I mean, it's it's just the numbers are staggering with people that are, that are in jail and are dead mm-hmm. because they made a split decision. Mm-hmm. When you could have simply just made a turn left instead of going right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no need to to be to prove your point at every time you have to. You, you got a, a issue. Sometimes it's okay to just be quiet. Mm. You know, it doesn't make you any less of a man or, you know, you're not a, you're not a punk or a sissy or whatever word they're calling people these days because you choose not to fight every battle. Mm. Sometimes it's okay to just be silent and live. How do you do that, Darius, and still maintain, um, the sense of manhood that you have. Like, it's, it's, it's complicated, but it's easy. Okay. For me. I'll tell you, like, my, my initial reason behind some of the stuff I do is because growing up, you know, I had a little bit of a speech impediment. Mm. I used to stutter. So I was always afraid to talk to people. I would never talk. So when you're not a person who talks a lot, you are very aware of your words mm. because when you speak, it has to count. Mm. It has to have meaning. Mm. And being that I never really talked to people, I was always the one to observe. Mm. 
I was always the one that's in the room who can just, I like to walk in and just scan the room. I can say, oh, okay. It's drama over there in that section. Okay. These people are this. That section is that over there because I like to observe first before I interact or interject myself into things. It's not always, it's not always the, the end all be all because sometimes you, you may miss out on doing something because you're not as vocal as others, mm-hmm. but you won't be in as much trouble either. That's good. That's good. Talk about your journey to being emotionally aware. What does being emotionally aware mean to you and how did you get to that place as a man, a black man in today's climate? It's just that I have to, I have to be aware of my triggers before anybody else is. Mm-hmm. So I have to be aware of, of what sets me off, what's going to bother me, how it bothers me, and how I choose to react to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like uh, some people have, you know, let's take the word nigger, for instance. Mm-hmm. Us, we might we might call each other that word a thousand times a day, mm-hmm. but it might be a trigger if somebody of another race says that to you. Mm-hmm. You have to know that that's the trick. You have to know if this happens in a real life situation, you got to be aware of how you react to it. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that's good. what I hear you saying, D, is that. Um, the way you became emotionally healthy was through the fact of coping skills. Like you identified what your triggers were and you concluded coping skills on how you would respond to those triggers and those moments. Um, you didn't you didn't wait for them to happen and then develop the coping skills. So you were more reactive, I mean proactive than reactive is what I'm hearing. Definitely, 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 definitely. You know, you never want to be in a situation where you always reacting. Because when you always reacting, you know, you, you're irrational, you're emotional. And nine times out of ten, you're going to make a mistake. And mistakes for us can be fatal. Mm-hmm. You know, a mistake for us can be, you know, getting shot in your back. <laughs> all kind of things can happen to us mm-hmm. making, you know, irrational moves and irrational judgment. Um, so I'm going to ask this and I, I think I, I don't know if I asked you this personally in conversation, um, but I know that your mom passed it. It'll be a year coming up. Um, how how did you um, process that life-changing event? And do you feel like you process that event in a healthy way? Um, I mean, it's interesting. I don't think anybody ever really totally processes that kind of thing. We kind of we kind of just adapt to a new situation. Mm. Mm. Um, but I was I was so blessed to have you know the mom I had because I was 
I was so prepared for the situation when it happened. Mm. I mean, like it was it was a unexpected event. I didn't we didn't know what was happening then. But I was prepared as far as, you know, I knew how to put my hand on, you know, certain documents to get things rolling. Mm-hmm. I knew how to, you know, what I needed to do as far as preparing her for her next journey. So I didn't have to really focus on that. I was able to, you know, take my time, properly grieve. I didn't have to worry about, you know, scrounging up money to get this done and get that done. You know, it was kind of things were already set. So I was able to take a few days to myself, you know, do my grieving, get myself together before I let the world in to, you know, help me through that situation. How do you feel uh, that being prepared helped you process that moment? How, how do you, if you weren't prepared? Oh, I mean, it totally made, it totally made the difference. I mean, I couldn't imagine what I would have been like if I would have had to be, you know, the person who would have had to take that, that entire week you know, calling different family members and asking friends for X, Y, Z and, and trying to, you know, piece the service together and still, you know, grieve. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like, I'm a, I'm only child. So, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I, I felt like in that situation, it was just me. Mm-hmm. I had to really make it happen. Not saying that I didn't have, you know, other family members and, you know, because she had sisters and, you know, relatives that wanted to assist and it was willing to assist. But I was so, I was so singularly focused that I wasn't really even, I wasn't even hearing it. I wasn't allowing anybody to do anything. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it's been me and her forever. So I, I knew what she wanted. And I wasn't going to allow anybody to tell me or try to sway my judgment on what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, D. That's like one of my. I don't want to say biggest fears. A big. That's one of my biggest concerns. And so, um, I had to have that conversation. You know, as an only female child, right? That conversation Mm -hmm. with my mom, and definitely um, was a difficult conversation. But it did create another level of peace in having that conversation, as you stated, um, because it, it it. I definitely think when the situation comes, I'm going to be frantic because as you said, it's just been me and my mom, right? (laughs) Right? And so I'm probably going to be a little bit more emotional than you are. (laughs) And I'm just like, God, I ain't got nothing. Um, But I definitely have put into place people for my sake um, who would be my support system in that space. Um, because having that conversation can be definitely difficult. Um, but being, again, that proactive mentality can definitely help create a better awareness of, of support, as you stated. And it can help you grieve better and healthy in that space. Um, so, D, you are our first male on Jesus Plus Therapy Sessions. So, usually we would probably have a 30... 30,000 plus questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about therapy? What's your views about therapy as a Black male? Um, I've never had any 
any issues with therapy. I mean, I would be willing to say that it's probably very helpful for some people. Um, you know, some people will get a wealth of, of knowledge and, you know, just a different perspective from talking to somebody who's like an independent source who doesn't have any, you know, no, they have no real skin in the game. They can't, they're not going to be biased by anything that you say. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, totally what some people need. I never felt like I really needed any kind of therapy. Um, I wouldn't say that I would be opposed to speaking to somebody, though. I don't have an issue with it. I just never thought that I would actually, you know, be that person who's like on a couch or something, like on a, a TV show or something. I'm, I'm laying on the couch, you know, spilling all my, my emotional baggage from 40 years ago, you know, to somebody I don't know. <laughs> but no, I don't have any problems with therapy. I think therapy can can definitely work and be cool for certain people. Yeah. Awesome. I must say, don't be in my profession, sir. <laughs> oh, no, I, would, I mean, I would, I would kind of lightweight call myself sort of a therapist, you know? Mm-hmm. I have, you know, been in different working positions where I was, where I had to speak with people about, you know, stuff like, you know, histories and past, you know, traumas and stuff like that. So, now, I worked as a social worker for a couple of years, and I also worked um, at a couple of behavioral health, you know, mm-hmm. jobs. So, you know, that come with the territory. Right. Right. Um, Saint, you got anything you want to ask me? Come on, baby, ask your questions. <laughs> what advice would you give a Black man in America who has found himself in a position where he really doesn't have anybody to um, pour out his emotions to, like, what advice would you give him um, in this day and age, like, because of the climate that we're in, what advice would you give him on how to find and locate a safe space? Because most men's safe space are their mother, but what about locating and finding other safe spaces outside of that dynamic? Um, that's a great question. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's kind of a difficult question because it's really like a case by case thing. Mm-hmm. It's basically like you have to find whatever the best positive thing that you can do to get that out. Mm. I stress the word positive because a lot of times people, they, they use, you know, alcohol and drugs and all type of negative things to to kind of deal with their issues. But once you, you know, come off the high, you're not drunk anymore, the problem is still there. Right. So, you know, whether it be working out or whether it be reading or whether it be walking in the park, taking vacations, you know, take a long drive, just whatever you need to do that's going to be a positive means for you at that point to kind of de-escalate. Mm. So you can know you're able to to properly vent because you don't want to hold all that stuff in. You don't, you never want to, you know, just keep you know, bottling stuff in because eventually it's going to come out and it's probably not going to be 
the best outcome when it comes out. Right. But you definitely want to, like I said, find something positive that you can do that's going to help you to get through your situation. That's good. And it doesn't always have to be anything that involves money. Because a lot of times people will tell you they can't do X, Y, Z because they don't have any money. Mm. And money is not the end all be all of every situation. Of course, it helps. But you know, us as black people, we've been surviving forever without money. Mm. So so you, can't really, you can't really tell me that you can't do what you want to do just because you don't have no money. That is so you true. Gotta, you got to think outside the box. That's good. That's good. Sean, what are your takeaways? Oh, my gosh. D, you've given me so many good takeaways in this, in this conversation. I think one takeaway that I have in this conversation is being available, right? And being open and, and proactive versus reactive. Um, be available to examine yourself um, and be available to be um, okay with not being okay. Um, and, and being okay with being proactive in certain areas and then just going with the flow with others. Um, trusting your silence. That was good. Like, trust your silence. Like, your silence does not mean or take away from the value of who you are. It is just that it's a silent moment and learning how to be silent because silence right. is not always um, a bad thing. So those are my takeaways. It's not a form of weakness. Mm. It's, actually, it's actually more powerful to be silent than it is to always speak. You know, the person who's always speaking, I can more than likely guarantee you that they're false, that they're, they're fake. Amen. You know, you just, you have, we, we spend too much time talking, you're not spending the time listening. You're mm. not observing enough. That's good. That's good. In this season, the season that I've walked through, I've learned that sometimes it's just okay to be quiet. You know, it is. And sometimes we don't have the words to um, describe how we feel, describe what we're going through. And sometimes, you know, venting to, um, you know, core people doesn't help the situation it just exemplifies the situation so in most cases it's just good to just be quiet and be alone with self to recalibrate your thoughts your emotions where you are at that you know particular juncture in your life because sometimes when major things happen like that you really do just gotta sit with yourself and say hey are you okay mm-hmm. So. That was a big takeaway from me. And definitely another takeaway for me was observe first. Mm. Observe first. Um, it's a lot of times we go into the room and try to um, acclimate ourselves to the environment without observing first. And sometimes it is best to just get in there and just be quiet. Um, I heard someone say once, um, if you're the loudest person in the room, like you, you definitely ain't got, you ain't saying nothing. You just blowing smoke. And so I am one too. Definitely when you say it, um, like I've had to learn how to, 
um, be quiet and just watch. And when you watch, you find out a lot about people um, when you watch them and study them. And so it is, you said some powerful things and I just, I appreciate you uh, for just taking the time with us, sitting and talking with us because it was profound. It's very profound. Thank you so much. I'm I'm very thankful and I just want to say, you know, again, thank you to you both for even thinking of me or allowing me to be on your platform. Um, I know this is something, you know, fairly new and you could have showed to speak to anybody. And for me to be, you know, like you said, the first male that you had on your show, I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I hope that, you know, my words or my thoughts are, are relevant and it was, you know, useful to somebody. Definitely useful, oh, yeah. useful to us. <laughs> Definitely useful to us. Thank you, D, so much. Listen, y'all, make sure you like, share, subscribe, Jesus, to Jesus Plus Services on all your podcast platforms. Again, D, thank you for the inauguration of being the first male host uh, and guests on our um, podcast. We are so excited and we cannot wait to have you back again. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, I am you know, at your service anytime you ladies need me. So, you know, anytime you got a topic that you need a, a male perspective on, just you know, give me a ring, diggy ding. <laughs> Well, we sure will. Until then, y'all, we'll check out next time. Bye. Bye.